Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Fresh off the... Star Wars, A New Hope, Watch Along. We are back with a regular episode here at the Star Wars Archives. Um, this is the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Puru out of it. I am Jose, a.k.a. Joxy in the Utiniverse. I have watched all Star Wars kind of movies and TV shows. I have read 43 Star Wars book, and I own, wait, I say 19, but I did get the Star Wars Mazes book yesterday in the mail? Does that count as a Star Wars book? I'm... It, it counts, it counts. Tom, what do you think? I mean, I'm normally counting every novel, but this is a little different. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it counts. <laughs> okay, so 20! I own 20 of them. <laughs> um, and I completely changed our intro there, so I am bringing chaotic energy to this podcast today. My co-host, as always, introduce yourself and tell me what kind of energy you are bringing to the podcast today. You always bring me chaotic energy, <laughs> Jose. Um, so I'm Trev, keeper of a timeline pages over at utini.com. Spent my entire adult life consuming Star Wars media and own over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. So for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show where once we've decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs. I'll do as little research as possible and we'll talk about anything Star Wars. Legends, canon, books, comics, TV, video games, even miscellaneous newspaper clippings and hopefully keep you both entertained and informed over the next hour or so. All right, but what kind of energy are you bringing? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the normal energy I bring. That's, that's energy. a weird question. That's a weird question. It's not. It's that's such a Californian question, no, Jose. I said chaotic. I said. <laughs> did I say chaotic neutral or chaotic energy? I, I was gonna go for chaotic neutral. So there's a don't, don't put me on the spot. Uh, like that. All right. Well, we do have a guest today, and I already did say his name. So um, it's Tom. Uh, Tom Holler from from Delray. He he you know he well. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself after now I've said your name a few times, but go for it, Tom. Sure thing. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me. Uh, I'm Tom Muller. Uh, I work at Delray Books. I'm one of the editors who works on um, the Star Wars books program there, um, primarily the the adult Delray novels. Um, I work on a bunch of other things too, but a lot of what I do is working on Star Wars. Um, so I'm here to hang out and chat, and it's nice to be here. Fantastic. And we are thrilled to have you. Yes, we are. Um, but yeah, no, this is a, this will be a fun episode, I think, I hope, um, we're shooting for it to be fun as always, but yeah, we, you know, Tom, you've been part of our, you know, pretty active in our discord, uh, for a little while now. So, um, it's really cool to, I mean, first of all, that's really cool of you to like spend time there and like, I'm sure that everyone in there appreciates your time, um, and all your little, you know, fun insights into the world of publishing 
So we thought that it'd be great to, you know, since we kind of tend to deep dive into specific topics, then why don't we deep dive, I guess, into what it takes to create this other, you know, this expanded universe of Star Wars. Um, and also, I mean, I tend to also just go into random topics as well on tangents. So, I mean, we can go in and talk about whatever. We don't have to just talk Star Wars. Because um, I also want to know, yeah, what else you're, you've been reading? What else you're into? Like, and you did just mention that you're also involved in other books from Delray, right? Or other things, not just Star Wars? Exactly. Um, so. Star Wars is a big portion of what I do. Uh, probably takes a, the majority of my time, or at least a, over 50% of my time. But it's not everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, then why don't we just start off with like the very basic question that we ask any one of our guests, which is, you know, Tom, what is your personal Star Wars history? Like, you know, what was your first movie? And I mean, I'm sure you have a lot because of your job. So <laughs> let's just like establish the basic of when it started and first book and stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I'm a, a child of the late 80s. So, you know, my, my first experiences with Star Wars were in uh, the, the home VHS um, mm -hmm. uh, venue. And then when the, the special editions got released into theaters in the, you know, mid to, to later 90s before the prequels. So um, I uh, have thought about this a lot because I've gotten asked this question a lot, <laughs> but I can't actually tell anybody when the first time I saw Star Wars was. And thus, I don't actually know if the first Star Wars movie I saw was... Star Wars, if it was Empire, if it was Return of yeah. the Jedi, I have no idea. I cannot remember. Um, the closest I can remember is that um, when I was young, like when I was in like third grade, fourth grade, um, we moved houses. And mm. what I remember from that is that when we moved houses, I know that we had owned all three, at that point, Star Wars films on VHS, but somehow two of them got misplaced. I don't know if they just got lost in a box that never got opened or whatever. And so I only had Return of the Jedi for a while. <laughs> so that was when I was growing up the movie I saw the most because the only Star Wars movie I could watch was Return of the Jedi because we just didn't have the other ones. Um, and then obviously that changed once DVDs and start happening. Got that. So, yeah. um, but again, I don't know if that's my first one. Um, and my, you know, uh, but I would say that largely Star Wars and my experience with Star Wars was very much an individual and personal one. Like I watched Star Wars with my siblings and with friends and talked about it a little bit. But once I got into reading the books and the comics and video games, the number of people that I actually had conversations with those things about was smaller and smaller and smaller. And it was sort yeah. of just like Star Wars and particularly the expanded universe of Star Wars was just an individual journey. I didn't really talk to people about it. I didn't really have people that I was like trading books back and forth with and be like, oh, did you read this comic or oh, did you yeah. see this? Um, until I started working at Delray in 2014, until I you know was a, uh, an intern and then started working full time and, and was going to conventions and stuff. Basically, fandom for me, I was just like, I was over here and fandom was over here, just sort yeah. of because that was just how it was. It wasn't wasn't really by um a deliberate choice it wasn't that i didn't want to be part of fandom i just never was um, yeah. so it was very much um a a kind of singular personal individual experience with star wars the whole time um the first book i ever read was um was michael stackpole's i jedi mm -hmm. and the only reason wow. <laughs> the only reason is that um i was in a bookstore and went to the section where you know science fiction and fantasy was because that's a big science fiction fantasy reader overall saw the wall that had a bunch of Star Wars books on it. Now, this was, um, you know, the kind of like late 90s. So there's not like 
a hundred Star Wars books on the wall, as you might see if you went into a bookstore now. (laughs) But there was still enough. There was still a good chunk of books. And, you know, I didn't have anyone saying like, oh, because again, Star Wars very much is like a personal experience. I didn't really have anyone telling me what book to pick up. And, you know, if you look at the packaging on a lot of those books, it's not like any of the books actually say like this is the one to start with like heir to the empire is just like the story continues but that's not even that strong a messaging to be like you maybe want to start here as many people have and did so i was just looking at the spines of the books and the one that stood out to me is i jedi because the title of that book is strange it's yes it, it is a if you look at the titles of the spines of a lot of star wars books it's either like star wars and then one word or it's like a very, you know, it's like heir to the empire or like, you know, the, the something like that. Some sort of really long sort of Han Solo at star's end. Like some sort of very almost um, kind of fairy tale-esque title. Mm-hmm. I, or lots of words with no context. Yes. <laughs> like the, but, the back to war. But I, Jedi, stands out as this very strange title. It's a letter and a comma and then the word Jedi. It's really it just, uh, you know, even among a, 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 a bookshelf of even 10 books, it stands out. So that's the one yeah. I picked up. I looked at the front cover and didn't recognize the guy on the front cover. <laughs> I turned it over and read the back. And I was like, oh, okay. This is like, I guess this is after Return of the Jedi. And then I opened the book and I saw it was written in first person. I was like, wait a minute. This is a first person written book about a Jedi. And just based on those facts, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this book. Because it was just different. It was so different. Yeah. It was so, it stood so uniquely on the shelf um, that that was just the one that I was the most interested in checking out. I knew, not, I knew very little else about Star Wars books. I knew they existed. Um, yeah. I knew that I had seen them before. Um, so that was the first one I ever read. And then from there, I moved it's, around it's, and read a bunch of stuff and eventually read everything. Um, but that was the one I started with. It, it's a thick book as well. So I can imagine that did jump out on the shelf because a lot of fantasy books are sort of five, six, seven hundred pages. Whereas, you know, your average Star Wars book is three fifty, four hundred. But I get it's a thick book. So I can imagine that really jumping off the shelf as well. Yeah, I don't know if I remember. I mean, I, I read a lot of big fantasy books growing up so i don't know that like the length of it or at least i don't remember if the length of the book the apparent length of the book relative to other ones stood out to me but it probably would have because of the fact that yeah it's a bit of a longer book um so that's where i started which is i know a strange place i know a lot of people would be like why <laughs> no. and you didn't read these nine books before that and these three books have and i gotta tell you like you know i from reading the book i'm like okay things have happened before this book like there's <laughs> things like oh i don't know exactly but it didn't really bother me. I was just like, all right, I'll go figure it out at some point. I wasn't completely lost. Like Luke Skywalker's still in this book, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's just where I started. No, man. I mean, with how you describe, you know, what you're saying about why you chose that as your first book, to me, it makes total sense. And it also makes me even want to, like, if, if I were to, like, pick a book to start with, like, everything you said to me, like, yeah, that why don't I read that book too? I mean, everything about it sounds interesting, even though collectively there's, you know, some opinions about what this book is. <laughs> um, especially, I mean, we joke about it a lot in our, in, in our, in Utini, but you know, at the end of the day, we do like every single Star Wars book. We just have some preferences, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't read it. So I only know what it's about and some of the things that happen. But I am also curious about, you know, a Star Wars book written the first person. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 sh- I mean, there are only sh- there are only two, two, there's, right? There's that book, and there's Heir to the Jedi, Kevin Hearn's book from uh, twenty, it's twenty fifteen, I guess, because it was published in early twenty fifteen. There's only two. 
Um, yeah. You know, um, and there may be a short story or something here or there that I'm sure Trev has a better um, knowledge of than I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying uh, to think. I'm but, trying to think. <laughs> but the fact that only those two quickly come to mind and nothing else right. shows that it's not really um, a writing style that has been used in Star Wars a whole lot. And yeah. in general, I'll, you know, writing styles aside from what people think of the sort of third person omniscient is just uh star wars books comics uh you know adult YA, middle grade a lot of things have not used a as as wide a variety of writing styles right as there actually are in the world you know it, it's a pretty limited subset there's been a couple of places where you know like star wars use some present tense here there's been maybe yeah. sections of a book or you know individual chapters that have that have played around with some stuff um but uh as far as an entire story, those two books kind of stand a piece of the, you know, the rest of the history of the EU in terms of trying something across a novel length um, stretch is, of time. Is that um, a, you know, the author's uh, choice, like how to, like what writing style to use, or is that something that is discussed with someone like you or Delray at large, like when you're establishing the idea of a book? I mean, that's always, it's always going to be a conversation about, what does what's the goal of the book and how might a different writing style um help you achieve that goal and what is the strength of the author who is coming in to write that story now you're ne you probably at least i wouldn't i would never ask an author to write let's just say a first person story if they were not already an author who was comfortable and felt skilled at writing first person stories i just wouldn't do that so if yeah. I, if, I, if i had an author who was just like i don't want to i'm not comfortable with that Either A, I wouldn't have hired them in the first place if I really was like, yes, first person is absolutely what we need. Or I would just say, okay, that's not what we're going to do here. We're going to do something else that plays to your strengths as an author. But that's going to be a conversation about what's the goal of our story? What do we mm -hmm. want? What's the effect we want this story to have across themes and how we're experiencing a character? Why is first person going to be the best way to achieve those things? And then who as a writer is has the um, experience and the skills and the want to want to execute on that kind of the vision. And you'd want all those things to align. So it's going to be a conversation among like yeah. several people. Um, it's not just something you just like decide on a whim. Of um, course. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. Well, so now that you said this, if you put your hat, you know, let's go back in time to I Jedi. <laughs> can you speculate as to why that choice was made for that book? Or do you even know? Um, I mean, Besides making it different and, you know, maybe attractive to first-time readers because it looks different, can you think of uh, reasons why they chose that writing style for that book? I mean, that possibly the end being the first time ever a Star Wars story is told in first person. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, I yeah. probably could dig back through old files I have and maybe find something, though I don't know that I would even if I found stuff, I don't know that I would find something that would answer that specific question. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and actually, I'm, I wonder if, if uh, Michael Stackpole, who's obviously given tons and has been on million panels, I wonder if he's ever answered this himself. I don't mm -hmm. know. My guess, again, if I had to guess, is that, you know, just thinking about the time and place of Star Wars storytelling at the time is that there had not been a lot of stories about original Jedi characters who are not mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker or, you know, at the time. And yeah. that story, despite the fact that Luke is in it, that's a Corrin Horn story. It is Corrin Horn's journey. Absolutely. And I think looking at, okay, we've got an, a, an original character who is a Jedi, who's going through the path of becoming a Jedi, as well as this other path of sort of finding out about his kind of family history and everything. 
there's this sense of, well, if we tell it in first person, you get this very close on the ground experience of what it's like to become a Jedi. And that is something mm. that Star Wars had not explored deeply at that time. Of course, there's a million ways that we've explored it since then, sure. video games and all sorts of other things. But just thinking about that, I can see where someone would say, oh, it would be really interesting to see that journey from first person. We can make someone feel like they are going through the, yeah. the trials and experiences of learning to become a Jedi at, with our character. That would be my guess. Um, that would be my guess, but I don't know for sure. Um, Trev, how do you do you did you did you feel really immersed in the story of Cornhorn when you read I Jedi? I mean, for me, thinking about how it would have been as Stackpole and Zahn were, you know, the giants of the early EU, and I can just imagine Stackpole going, "I've got this idea," <laughs> and you know, Bantam going, "You know what? Let's run with it because it's different, it's exciting, it was experimental." So, you know, why not? But just to backtrack on your own career path then, Tom. So sure. you were a Star Wars fan. You followed your career into publishing. Mm -hmm. You worked for Del Rey. Mm -hmm. Ending up working in the Star Wars arm of Del Rey, is that something that you sought out? Or mm -hmm. they looked at you and understanding that you were a fan felt that you'd be a great fit for it? Um, it was absolutely intentional by me. That's what I... That is <laughs> what I came to Delray to do. Okay. Uh, yeah. I wanted to do other things. I wanted because Delray does a bunch of stuff and I wanted to do those other things too, but I also um, positioned myself to pursue a job at Delray specifically so I could come work on Star Wars. Um, because I grew up reading all the Star Wars books and when I thought about well, what do I want to do in publishing, I thought well, I want to work in science fiction fantasy. It's the genre that I'm read the most the genre i enjoy the most both in book form and in movies and video games and you know every all sorts of pop culture um and i read a lot of delray authors growing up and a lot of delray books and then i was like well they also do star wars and they do these other things too okay that's where i want to go work that's where i'm going to go work and so it, by the, when i decided i wanted to move into publishing and pursue publishing basically just like all right delray working on star wars books is the end goal i might have to take 10 extra steps and maybe work other places and do other things but eventually that's the end goal um turns out that's actually the first and only full-time job i've ever had in publishing oh wow <laughs> so uh, when you went to where, where did you go to college actually uh so i went to college um i went to college uh at a, a school in massachusetts that is called bentley university um, it actually okay. was called Bentley College when I first started there, and then it became a university, uh, like yeah. midway through my sophomore year, which is kind of funny. Um, uh, and it is actually a business school, purely a business school. There's a there is some curriculum for you know liberal arts for things like that, but everyone who goes there majors for the most part in like finance, accounting, marketing, that kind of stuff, economics. Um, I was an accounting major, went there to study accounting, got an accounting degree, got a graduate degree in accounting and taxation from it did that whole thing um and after i did that and started working in accounting um i've told the story a few times i just after i started working i was just like well i don't want to do this for the rest of my life you know uh it's a good foundation for kind of doing a lot of different things accounting is often a good foundation for kind of like moving into all sorts of industries particularly in business i don't want to do this for the rest of my life uh working really long hours i don't ever have free time you know all that good stuff. Uh, so what do I want to do for the rest of my life? What do I really want to do? I really like books. I really like publishing. I really like working on stories. I was a newspaper editor in college. All the extracurriculars I did in college were about writing and editing. 
you know, separate from business stuff. Yeah. So that's when I decided I wanted to go into publishing, be a Star Wars editor. And so then I, I went see. to grad school a second time and actually got a second degree based around editing and uh, uh, professional writing and editing um, so that then I could kind of pivot more towards publishing and be taken seriously when someone looked at my resume and was like, wait a minute, you went to business school? Why do you want to be in there? <laughs> uh, so that that's the the, the yeah. TLDR of my uh, my educational background. <laughs> no, that's great. That's some serious visualization of life goals right there. Yes, yeah, so when I um, when I was working as an accountant, I had I applied to grad school for publishing kind of surreptitiously because I obviously didn't really want anyone at work to know because I had this fear in my head that if they found out I was like applying to grad schools to maybe pivot careers that I might just be fired, which yeah. um, might have been a kind of irrational thought, but I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it would have happened. No idea. But um, so once I got in, I actually then when I got in, I was like, oh, my God, I got accepted. Cool. And then I actually found out I got accepted while I was sitting at my desk at work. I got an email. I just like saw it and you know had to take a walk outside for a second. And, um, Sorry, like fist bumping outside. Kind of. And then when I uh, not quite, but close. Uh, yes. So then when I actually had to tell the people I worked with, hey, you know, I'm giving you guys I gave them three weeks notice just because it lined up with when my lease in new york was was was, uh ending up i was like hey i'm giving my notice you know uh and they were all kind of surprised and somebody was like what are you gonna do we go to grad school what are you gonna do and i said i actually said this to this person i said oh uh, i'm gonna go work at delaware and work on star wars books oh (laughs) um uh i actually said that to one of my bosses in a meeting um before i left so were you hired for the star wars branch or was that just you verbalizing your ambition no uh, so i i was um so i um while i was at grad school i had to have a summer internship as part of the program it was like a, hey during your the summer between your the you know spring and your last fall semester like we like you have an internship you can do whatever you want we don't there's no specific place you have to work you can do whatever you want and at the end of the internship, you just have to write like a one page paper about like, this is what I did. And this is how it contributes to like my study of writing and, and editing and stuff. And so I was like, oh, maybe I can get an internship. And so um, longtime readers and, and folks who have been to conventions and, and watched panels for, for Delray and Star Wars going back years might remember um, the wonderful Shelley Shapiro, who was for a very, very long time, the lead um, editor on the Delray side of Star Wars books. Um, I actually found her work email address on the Internet. Which, uh, <laughs> if you know anything about publishing, editors in publishing hoard our and protect our contact information like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a dragon hoard. Like, it's just not a thing that we try to give out because editors would just get inundated with, like, random manuscripts and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just like, it's a thing that you stuff. really protect and, you know, you hand it out to authors and, and industry contacts and, like, in, in select ways. Yeah. Shelly, and I, I don't have the link to it anymore, but at one point, Shelly did an interview with some Star Wars blog site, website, um, and at the end of the interview, it was like a, you know, they probably talked over email with a phone and then someone just transcribed it. Uh, this is before podcasts really being very popular. It was in, it was in like 2012, <laughs> yes. uh, 2011, 2012. At the end of the interview, they wrote, you know, like Shelly Shapiro is an editor at Delray's works, blah, blah, blah. And they put her work email address. They just listed wow. it right there. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, wow, I've never seen that before. Uh, it's before or since. 
And so I found her email address. So I sent her an email at like two o'clock in the morning one day. Uh-huh. Nothing good ever happens at like two o'clock. In the morning, <laughs> no, like ever. No. Uh, but it was like two o'clock in the morning, and I sent her an email being like, "Hey, I'm in. I'm this kid. I'm in grad school. You know, I I'm looking for a summer internship. I don't know if Delray does that. Like, you know, it's part of the program. I have to have an internship. Um, I would love to come work for you and the Delray team. I love the Star Wars books. This is what you guys do, and I think you guys are doing. I tried to make it sound like I really knew everything about publishing, even though I didn't know much about publishing. But I tried to make yeah. it sound good. Uh, and a couple days later, I got an email from her, and she was just like, hey, you know, thanks for sending me that info. It's really nice. I'm going to pass your info along to someone in our HR team, and, you know, I don't know if we have space for an intern, but we'll see. Um, and that led to me getting a summer internship there. Um, and so I spent the summer interning, and at the end of the summer, there wasn't a full-time position open. So I went back to school, and it wouldn't be until basically that was the summer of 2012 it wouldn't be until the end of the summer of 2014 that i got the full-time job there just because positions there just wasn't a new position open but eventually a new assistant position largely assisting shelly and Mm -hmm. other folks open and so that meant that i'd be working on star wars and while i was there as an intern i worked on some star wars stuff um uh, a variety of star wars projects including the essential readers um companion um uh, that I know folks are really fond of and um, some posters for Star Wars Celebration that I designed and some other stuff um, when I was an intern. But so it didn't lead, to kind of answer your original question, it didn't lead immediately to a job. It was, I did the internship and then it was like two years of looking for a job and being a temp and being a teacher and applying to jobs and publishing and all this other stuff um, and failing miserably at it until this job opened up at Delray. And they were like, well, it's similar to your internship, but a full-time job if you want to apply for it. Um, yes you know well you, that you, sounds you, like a no-brainer <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean you did set out or you, you did think originally that you were gonna this was your end goal right so you yes. were gonna be going to different places so i mean it, it did sort of happen for you know for two years it did it did so, just, it happened way <laughs> quicker than i ever imagined it happening i have to say so, so a, 2014 must have been a exciting time to join them because that's the whole buyout from uh lucas that must have been you know, there must have been a lot of flux within the publishing arm itself. My first day on the job, my work anniversary is September second. Uh, is a new no dawn? Way. Is the day a new dawn published? <laughs> is it September second or September fourth? I've forgotten by now. I'm, I'm a bad Star Wars fan, clearly. Uh, it's, yeah, it's about to come up. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, you know, that day is my work anniversary. My very first day on the job was that Tuesday because that was the day after Labor Day that year mm-hmm. and you know so monday labor day in the united states for for folks who, who may not be entirely familiar with the u.s holiday calendar um we you know the, that's like the very end of the summer and it's like the tail end of the summer and the last is usually labor day and so that book came out as books in the u.s do come out on a tuesday so they were like well you know start after labor day because i got hired like the middle of august is when i found out that i mm-hmm. had the job and they were just like hey you know last two weeks like you know whatever and then why don't you start the day after labor day everyone will be back in the office everyone in publishing takes a lot of time off at the end of august it's a very dead part of the the year in terms of office life or just like you know day-to-day work so that just happened to be that the stars aligned that my first day was the day that a new dawn came out so my work anniversary is always the anniversary of a new dawn and thus you know all that stuff um, which is really ser- surreptitious and really you know, serendipitous and really funny. Uh, it also means I can't ever forget my work anniversary, despite the fact that <laughs> 20 seconds ago I couldn't actually tell you the date. But uh, <laughs> I promise you, I do know it. Uh, so there, how, have, um, yeah. how have things changed in the last, what, seven years? 
Um, I mean, not not really a lot. I mean, there's you know, there's there's you know, a couple of different people. You know, Shelley obviously, you know, Shelley retired. We have a couple new people. The team's gotten a little bit bigger than it was. Um, just sort of in the way that things kind of grow and change over time, like in any business you know the people you yeah. worked with seven years ago are maybe not a hundred percent the same that the people you work with um yeah. but you know it's by and large mostly the same as it's been and it's mostly honest to be honest it's a lot very similar to the way it was when i was the intern there for a summer mm-hmm. and the intervening years is very not a ton has changed at least in the time that i've had uh, a view into it either being directly in the office or knowing the folks and and and, and uh talking to them and and kind of keeping keeping tabs on all that stuff um it's it's been mostly the same you know uh i guess you know i now an actual editor instead of just an editorial assistant so things have changed a bit for me i I am now a little more responsible for things in both good and bad ways i suppose um uh so that that part has probably changed um for me but that that's that's it mostly the mostly the process that we use and just the way that these things get made and and all that stuff is pretty much the same you know yeah gets a little bit more efficient over time i suppose just because we all realize like wait a minute we've been doing it this way like can we just let me tweak this five percent it'll save everyone a big headache and we're like why didn't we think of that you know that kind of stuff happens all the time Um, yeah well what was the first uh project then once you got hired that you had to work on and where you know how are you feeling about it were you excited were you like nervous I'm, I'm sure it was a combination of all the feelings right but yeah so I mean obviously I was excited um, yeah I was excited I, I was obviously nervous because I wanted to do a good job for the people that I work with mm-hmm. I wanted because it was going to be the first time that like really I wanted to prove to them like the trust that you put into hiring this kid who used to be an accountant to be a book editor like I need to validate that trust yeah you know that belief that you had in me um so when I was full-time, uh, because like I said, as an intern, I worked on the Essential Readers Companion. I did a bunch of art reference for that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I actually wrote out both the indexes for that. I had to compile the indexes. That was fun. Um, and then I worked on, <laughs> there's a big timeline poster from the Celebration Orlando in 2012 that I designed of all the EU books, like on a timeline. That was a big seller yeah. project for me that I designed. That was cool. Um, Someone's speaking my language. I actually have that poster. <laughs> I've had that poster in a poster tube. This is a big poster. In a poster yeah. tube since 2012 it's just been in my closet i've never had space because i live in tiny new york apartments i've never had space to put it on a wall i've never had space to do anything with it but it's just sitting in my closet one day i will put it up on a wall just to be able to be like that's the first thing i worked on um but then uh so the first two things i worked on is one um social media stuff because i had done Mm -hmm. some social media stuff for them as an intern and then like afterwards a little freelance but the day i started i also took over delray star wars social media and i did that Mm. up until the three weeks ago i was also doing oh. doing all the social media for delray star wars uh, while also being an editor so that was the first thing i guess the first real project i helped work on and contribute to was lords of the sith because mm. if folks remember around that time the delray books that were coming out were a new dawn in september tarkin in the first week of november and then heir to the jedi in march um, 2014 and 2015 when i started all those books were basically they were done obviously new dawn was out Tarkin was out a month, you know, a month and so later. So that was basically at the printer and heir to the Jedi was basically also done and not quite going off to the printer, but close enough that like, I didn't, um, I, I helped like comb through it for typos and stuff like that, um, and get mm-hmm. files prepped. So the first book that I got to lend any sort of, um, editorial feedback to was Lords of the Sith, um, the Paul Kemp book. 
uh, and then yeah. every book since then I've I've either I've worked on uh, in some capacity or another. But that was the first one that I got to provide some notes on and do some early reads of and make suggestions about and and, and those kinds of things. Thinking about those early days, those early projects, and starting work on the Star Wars arm, was there ever any point you kind of peeped beyond the curtain and thought, oh wow, I'm I'm out of my depth here. I mean, I'm gonna. I mean, to be honest, I I felt that way. I think the first five years. I, I mean, to be honest, like, I mean, if I'm being completely honest with Imposter you guys. Imposter like, syndrome or something. I still feel that way almost every time we start a new project. I'm just like, this, like, am I really qualified for this? Like, I, this, I'm, am I really supposed to be here? Like, and, and that's just the general sort of like imposter syndrome you kind of have. Yeah. Um, uh, so I still sort of feel like that, but I definitely did. I felt a lot of pressure of like I wanted to make meaningful contributions to help the team. I didn't want to be a hindrance. I didn't want to say something that was like really ridiculous, some sort of awful suggestion or awful idea. Um, so there was all that, and it was just like being excited of being able to contribute like you know one tenth of one hundredth of one percent to this thing that I grew up, you know caring a ton about even though i own like i again wasn't part of a larger fandom it was just like this very personal thing that mm -hmm. meant so much to just me and that i'd spent so much time thinking of just by myself and now it was finally doing it as part of a team as part of a larger group of people um so yeah it was it was really kind of um uh nerve-wracking it was really uh frightening um it probably yeah. also didn't help that i'm you know day to day i'm doing all social media stuff so i am seeing all of this feedback good and bad and indifferent and people's suggestions of what they want what they don't want what they love and what they don't like and so like having that be the other side of my job and kind of yeah. compartmentalizing and aggregating and engaging with all that while also over here being like all right i gotta work on this book um that that definitely created a kind of challenge but you know the nice part is that i work with really awesome people and i have really great mentors and so it just became easy to learn from the folks who are already doing it and to just yeah. be like okay then you know and to not worry about the fact that like even if i made a suggestion that wasn't good it's fine because it's not really it's like the job is like you make a suggestion and then the suggestion is just the starting point and you know right. you're going to start there and you're going to work on it and work on it and work on it and eventually you'll get to the best version of itself but the the suggestion does not have to be perfect does not have right. to be formed from whole cloth the moment you make it um it just has to come from a good place to start and it has to be you know made in good faith um it can't right. just be some ridiculous off the wall thing that's not <laughs> helpful to anybody no it's a, yeah it's the, the beginning of a conversation right so then from there like even if it's doesn't work out other things can come out of it right and and then just engage in whatever is you know whatever the final product is but it is all part of the process it's something that yeah i mean for me personally too like when i when i work with some of the younger folk at my i'm an architect by you know by day um but when i work with some of the junior architects in my office it's the same thing where i'm like you know let's just brainstorm this any idea is a, is, a, is a good idea let's just start from there and maybe we can turn it into something so like don't be afraid of like making suggestions is whatever it is we'll work through it and if it doesn't work out then we know it doesn't work and that's also useful but that way we do know that the final result is the best version of whatever that is because we've sort of you know we've gone through all the different iterations and ideas that we could so um but yeah so um actually 
how big then is the Star Wars team at Delray? So, you know, you, you mentioned that there's a whole team behind you and, you know, kind of like mentoring you and all that. So how big actually is the team? Uh, edit- from an editorial standpoint, there are four of us on the Delray okay. side. But it's a couple of things to remember. First of all, that publishing teams, you know, are made up of a bunch of different smaller teams that come together. So there's the editorial teams, the editors. Mm -hmm. There are the marketing and publicity teams, which are really two separate teams. We often talk about them hand in hand. So that's another group of people. Then there's the production team, the people who actually help us with all the actual mechanics of like getting a book from being a word document to a physical thing that we're, you know, giving to somebody. Um, And there's a bunch of other teams involved in the publishing. So it's like, the Delray editorial team for the Star Wars books is four people, but that doesn't mean that four of us take a book from Word document to finish book. There's like, you know, the large team. And then, of course, we have our friends and counterparts on the Lucasfilm side who had, you know, there's the editorial team and the creative teams over there that we also work with. So, you know, it's a little bit larger than that. But if we're just talking about the, the folks on the Delray side, there's um, there's four of us. Um, and there used to only be two of us. Um, mm-hmm. So there's now four of us. Um, so. So then do you first discuss like some of the suggestions and I, as you're um, internally and then you bring it over to the author or how does that part work? Yeah, so one of the goals with making a good Star Wars book, um, this is true for making good books of all kinds, but <laughs> making a Star Wars book, this is like, I want to put, and this has always been one of my, this is like, I want to put an author in the best position to succeed possible. Mm-hmm. If I do that, two things are going to happen. One, the author's going to have a good time. They're going to have a fun time. Yeah. For as much work as it's going to be, for as challenging and difficult as it's going to be, they're going to have fun. Because they're having fun, they are going to make an excellent book. They're going to make a great book. Because they're having fun and because they're in a position to succeed. They're in a position to take advantage and to utilize the skills and experience they already have. Yeah. Just bring that into Star Wars. <laughs> so we spend a lot of time thinking about what authors would match right with what stories from uh mm-hmm. we talked about earlier from a writing style and experience perspective from the sort of characters the sort of themes what's the goal of the story what's the kind of feeling and emotions we want to have people what's the sort of relative pace if we're trying to um kind of play around with like having a star wars book be a bit like a subgenre of some kind or play around with like oh what would that genre look like inside star wars star wars has done that a million times across all its medium over the years and it's one of the cool things about star wars is you can take like what if we took a western and put it in star wars what if we took a a heist movie and put it in star wars what if we took this kind of thing and put it in star wars Mm -hmm. um so we think about all of those things and then we're constantly thinking about what authors would make sense for those kinds of goals and then thinking about all right we've got this idea we've got this framework which author do we think from characters, from timeline, from, again, experience, writing style, etc., which authors do we think would be most interested, be most engaged, would have the most fun with it, and thus then create the best version of a story? And then that's when we bring the author in. Because yeah. um, I spend a lot of time outside of Star Wars just reading people's books, just reading authors' uh, books, reading their comics, reading their um, game scripts, playing video games if they were game writers, like like Alex Freed, Alexander Freed, um, very mm-hmm. notably has spent years, decades in game development. Um, yeah. And so the majority of his writing, actually pretty certain that Battlefield Twilight Company is the first book he ever wrote. I think he might have done some really? comics work before wow. that. He did a short story or two, um, A Thousand Levels Down um, is a short story yeah. from Insider he did. But he wrote tons and tons and tons and tons of um, game story for 
the old republic for a variety of other things um and so one of the ways that he was identified as being like he should be the author of this battlefront book was just we spent a lot of time reading through the stuff he'd worked on and looking at the stuff he'd worked on and been like i know he's not written a novel before but we know he can do this we've we've sort of analyzed and spent enough time with his writing and talked to people who worked with him and like bam he can do this and that's something that we do a lot outside of work is just read everything that people have done to identify people who might want to do star wars so so is there an author that you've personally brought into star wars whether it's a novel or one of the short stories and from a certain point of view that you've been especially excited about whether excited oh, because man. you managed to bag them <laughs> and got them to agree or just somebody that you thought would do an outstanding job not your personal favorite right. someone you were just excited to to introduce to give them a chance to write for the franchise uh i mean both of the from a certain point of views are basically the team sitting down and just being like let's just put Who'd like what's the wish list of just our favorite authors <laughs> for anything and let's just yeah. get them there. like the fact that like you know like paul dini who i love batman the animated series it's just like yeah. paul dini came and wrote a, a <laughs> star wars story this is amazing like and i got to have a two-minute conversation with him about batman at one point i was just like over the moon uh, about it yeah. um, so like that was a super exciting and there's like all the people involved with both from a certain point of view so many of them are just like um people that i and others have just loved as writers in a variety of mediums across a variety of things like i'm super excited that like amy ratcliffe um uh, came and wrote a story for from a certain point of view too on a more personal level because amy and i um know each other from way way back in the day when she had uh, a personal blog i had a personal blog with a friend of mine about like uh gaming and stuff and we did like a blog you know like a blog link exchange back in like 2010 where it's like hey we'll put a link to your blog on our homepage if you put a link to <laughs> our blog on yours it's just like that's just what you did like in the late mm -hmm. you know aughts and so we and we exchanged some emails and we're you know and she was really great and i loved reading her blog way back in the day and so the fact now that like this many years later that we've known each other like i got to email her and be like hey you want to write a star wars story with me like that was particularly fun just because again it's someone that you know i've known for so long um but uh, you know this is gonna sound like a real cop-out answer but it's like almost every new author that we bring in I'm excited that we get to bring their voice to Star Wars because Star Wars is constantly made better by new voices. And you can go back to like Tim Zahn writing for Star Wars in the early 90s. He's a new voice to Star Wars. And then Michael yeah. Stackpole being coming to Star Wars. And then Michael Stackpole giving with Aaron Alston coming to Star Wars. You know, it's like every time you bring new voices to Star Wars, it gets better. And eventually these people become so connected to Star Wars that you just don't imagine this idea that like Tim Zahn ever was a new voice to Star Wars, but he was. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, he's been around so long just shows that when you bring new people into Star Wars, like what they can create and what ca they can become, you know, related to 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 star wars overall is great so the fact that rebecca roanhorse came to write a star wars book for us with resistance reborn was super exciting mm -hmm. um i am just like i cannot wait for people to see the kind of writing style and voice and prose that emma candon is bringing to her ronin novel that's coming out in so a month and a half it is um you know her her particular type of writing and her style of writing and her approach to prose and just the vocabulary that she uses is just one of those things that like there are not a lot of examples of it in other star wars books that i can point to it's just 
different than a lot of what Star Wars books have read like. Um, yeah. And I don't think in a scary way. Um, I don't think in like a way that does not feel like Star Wars. Just it's different. You're you're going to read that prose and going to be like, yeah, I haven't read a hundred Star Wars books that sound like this. There are Star Wars books that if you covered up the author name and I and you read the you know you read like two chapters of it and I said, all right, which yeah. author this is. You may not have it immediately. You may not be able to say who it is. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that some Star Wars books sound like other Star Wars books because there is a style to writing Star Wars and Star Wars characters have specific voices and things. And so that does happen. But uh, Emma's sort of verbiage, her approach to like using metaphors and the way that she described things, she just does it in a way that I've not seen in Star Wars books a lot. I'm excited. So. a great sell for the book right now. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm super stoked for it. And and she's an author who, you know, when we kind of knew what we were going to be doing, what we thought we might want to do with this 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 visions book, uh, mm-hmm. went out and spent a lot of time trying to find an author for it. Yeah. And I read a lot of different things. I talked to a lot of people about like, hey, do you know any authors like this? Do you know any authors like that? You know authors that you're excited about just send me everything send us everything and we the team combed through a lot of stuff and then found uh found emma and just like read read some of um her her uh, currently unpublished gonna be published uh uh next year i think novel Mm -hmm. and i was just like this person and everybody on the team immediately was just like yep this person she can do it they can do it and uh and so i i'm I'm really excited about that because again it's just different and i love seeing different i love seeing different and new i love trying things i love that star wars continues to try things and reinvent things because that's how you just find the most amazing new avenues for storytelling right if you just do the same thing over time all the time you're going to do good stuff you'll have a baseline of good and a baseline of consistent and there's there's a lot to be said for being consistent and being good over a long period of time, but you also do need to try new things. You need to yeah. push outward. You need to kind of expand what you've done before because that's when you find something new and amazing that like you never would have actually imagined. You never would have actually come up with if you were sitting around brainstorming because sometimes it's not – you don't know it's going to work until you see it on the page. You don't know right. where until you see it on the screen or see it on the video game or whatever. Again, it, this is not what I'm saying is not unique to publishing. It, you know, it works across all. But the that's years. kind of uh, the history of Star Wars as well. Is there was years between trilogies, and Star Wars has been kept alive in the public consciousness by an amazing depth of storytelling, the books and comics, and that was built on a hundred different voices, a thousand different interpretations. It's always been at its best when it's been experimental and let's tell a different story. Let's tell something different because you're right no one wants to read the same book over and over again and star wars has has never ever done that it's always been brave enough to to take a leap some have worked some haven't but i'm so excited for this one <laughs> so yeah, excited I, I'm stoked. well is there i mean since we're kind of touching on, on on this right now i mean is are there any other books or tv shows or anything that you're outside of star wars that you're currently reading that i mean not necessarily with the goal of bringing them into Star Wars, but if there is a potential there, then sure, right? But what what else are you uh, currently like, you know, reading and watching and stuff? So I always have a, a stack of books, both physically and virtually, like <laughs> next to my bed, really, or on my Kindle of things that I need to read. Um, mm-hmm. 
books that have been recommended to me, authors that have recommended me, books that are like breaking out and are super popular, particularly in science fiction fantasy, mm-hmm. that I want to see like, oh, why is this so popular? Why is this breaking out? What's this? What's this author doing? At the moment, I'm actually so busy with manuscripts, both Star Wars and otherwise, that I'm not touching any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably will not get to any of it until probably November actually probably wow. once I fi- once we finish up with everything related to both visions and, and the next Thrawn book is probably when I'll have some time to to dig back into that as for what I'm watching like you know I'm always watching all the pop culture stuff so like all the Marvel shows and Marvel what if mm-hmm. and watching uh, the new season of Titans on on HBO Max and um, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine like I, I'd sort of part of my job is to just like consume pop culture as broadly and widely as I can because mm-hmm. any of that stuff might at some point lead to either people to work with or more um, franchises and storytelling worlds to work with so it's sort of my job to just like play all the video games and read all the books <laughs> and watch all the movies and uh, you know watch all the cartoons uh, and, and all that stuff um, there's not anything that jumps out as like this is the thing I'm experiencing right now that like I'm honed in on um, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of more more broad and scattershot i'm I'm going to ask because jose introduced me to this show and since then i've been religiously trying to spread its word to anyone who hasn't watched it but i'm sure you are are you watching ted lasso uh i am watching ted lasso i do not have an apple tv subscription just because i have so many other subscriptions that i got to the point where i was just like the line must be drawn here and no further. Yeah, like, yeah my, my wife got one free with yeah, her phone it's like, contract. I, That's the I only can't, reason I we can't have cross it. that line of adding another, you know, monthly subscription. But I have watched it. And I am watching it, you know, using the kind generosity of, of, of uh, friends and family who, who do have that subscription <laughs> service. Uh, and, and I'm enjoying it a lot and, and, and think it's really wonderful. Actually, uh, speaking of that, uh, did you um, did you watch Mythic Quest? Because this this will take us back to the whole like writing and publishing. I have not finished World. the most recent batch of episodes of Mythic Quest, but that is something else. I sort of prioritized Ted Lasso because I had yeah. more people screaming to me about sure. Ted Lasso, and I was like, <laughs> sure. I hear good things about Mythic Quest. <laughs> yeah. I saw the trailers from Mythic Quest. I was like, oh my god, that's gonna be in my wheelhouse. But just it it got bumped. Uh, yeah, the... I know because there there is an episode in this last season where it is about sci-fi writing. And... And so I'm sure that, um, I mean, from someone outside of the publishing and writing world, I mean, I thought it was a beautifully written and shot and episode. I mean, it's like this one bottle episode, but it's just a really cool insight, I think, if it I, fits. I've heard, I've heard that this episode exists. I have not seen it yet, so unfortunately yeah. I can't speak to it. Um, but I have heard about it, um, so I am looking forward to that. Because um, there's not that many shows that that deal with writing particularly genre writing mm-hmm. and most of the shows that do try to deal with it they it's not really reflective of the real world and in any yeah. any real major sense mostly because i think writing and the process of writing and editing and like bookmaking and story making in the real world is actually not all that theatrical or entertaining <laughs> so i don't think it makes for great television uh most of the time well, so I mean, um, go ahead, go ahead. sorry um so one thing i wanted to ask was we've seen a real um real increase recently in the the special editions of the books that have come out whether it's the goldsborough the out of print and that's a fairly recent development like how did those conversations come about was that just something you know let's do something exciting for this book that's going to help market it better was it let's do something that we haven't done before how did that kind of happen so it's, it's a little bit of everything um and uh it so it came out of this idea of um 
you know, there have been special editions of, you know, special editions of books is not like a unique thing to Star Wars, obviously. You yeah. Especially, I mean, just Google like, you know, Lord of the Rings special edition book and just see how many different versions yeah. of yeah. this thing is leather bound and this one comes in this side and this one <laughs> illustrations and this one Tolkien actually drew the cover. It's just like a million of them. And I mm-hmm. have like half a dozen of those on the shelf, like just in my life. <laughs> and so that's a thing across publishing wildly you know del rey has done that for terry brooks for robin hov or any number of authors that we work on on you know on, on on the other side of the of the um of the business and so over time we started to think about you know is there a way to do that for some of the star wars stuff in a way that feels good that feels um fun that we think is valuable to people doesn't really take away from the core experience of just being a reader um and all of that and this obviously all is wrapped up in like well up until you know a year and a half ago we were just going to lots of conventions every year yeah. and obviously convention editions and sort of special packagings of things is intrinsic to the convention experience you know toys funkos and hallmark ornaments and every everything everything has a a special edition at a convention right you know it's like special edition t-shirts everything <laughs> and so it really came out of that idea of like oh is there something we could do at a convention to really make the experience of coming to a convention and buying a book when you could just go to amazon you go to your local bookstore you go anywhere else and buy a book let's like, just make it a little bit more special mm-hmm. and so that's where this idea came up of doing you know editions that had different cover art maybe had an extra poster inside maybe were signed as some sort of packaging adjustment thing and as we've done that and people seem to like that stuff people seem to dig it um, my wallet doesn't very fair, very fair. <laughs> um, which is I, I will say to that point like I, I have never been a person who's really been in a position to buy a lot of these things myself it's just not a thing that i ever would have had money for and and, and, and thought to, to do so one of the things that we've always been really cognizant about and advocating for is to not really put content into the special editions to not gate content so like four Ah, extra chapters we change the story like a first of all from a practical standpoint five minutes after you sell the first copy of that somebody's going to put all of it online for free and so (laughs) like the value of that special content has disappeared so it's not really but also it's just like that's kind of a that's just i don't don't feel great about that 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 to me is not something that i would like so that's just something we try not to do so um, it started there, but then over time, we've always just thought about like, well, what else can we do? What else can we try? We love to try new things. Sometimes mm-hmm. those things work really well. Sometimes they work okay. Sometimes we're like, ah, that was fun, but you know what? We've got this better idea. We, we want to try this other thing. So that's sort of just the philosophy it's come from is it started with that. And then we said, well, you know, now we're not going to conventions. What the heck are we going to do? Well, we've got this partner. Um, some people may not know this, but penguin random house which is the larger company that delray is a part of the larger publisher mm-hmm. actually owns out of print out of print is owned by penguin random house oh, okay. so um it used to be its own company but they were bought by penguin random house a few years ago i don't, I don't remember exactly when be 2016 maybe 2017 yeah don't quote me on that uh and so you know we had these friends in house that are you know part of this other company and we were just like well you know, we do these convention editions, but now we're not going to conventions. And, like, Delray doesn't have, like, a bookstore online. We don't really have a way to do it ourselves. So, like, would you guys like to try this? Like, see if this works? Um, and that opened up a whole bunch of possibilities because, you know, it changes everything from the timing. Because mm-hmm. when you go to a convention, if you want to have something at a table at a convention to sell, 
you don't have to have that thing ready the day before the convention. It's like months before because things have to be sent to warehouses and then sent to the convention and then set up. And like, there's like whole tons of logistics. So the amount of time that we have is different. The bells and whistles that we can do because we things are only going to get shipped twice. They're going to go from where they were printed to the warehouse and then from the warehouse to the end user instead of from where they're printed to a warehouse to a convention to the convention floor and carried around and then made, like you know so the touch points of where things can get damaged or how sensitive you know the materials are can be um everything about everything related to the books it just opened up so many possibilities about trying things like hey what if we stained the edges on a book hey what if we tried this slipcase thing hey what if we added all these extra bells and whistles which so much of the time come down to things like time and what do you have time yeah. to do and what can you do effectively and and so it just came from this idea of wanting to try new things but also continuously getting feedback from folks being like we really like these and you know what it would actually be cool is there a, could you do this could you do xyz could you try this could you add this i would love a book that was like this i'd love a slipcase thing i would love this kind of thing um and then just looking around other publishing and just being like hey those publishers over there made a book with this in it can we do that and mm -hmm. trying it out mm -hmm. um and so like the a great example is the um the stained edges on chaos rising on the first Thrawn Ascendancy book. Yeah. We wanted to do that. People don't really know this, but stained edges are really difficult and expensive because real stained edges often have to be done by hand, meaning someone has to physically pick up a book, dip it, and then it's got to sit there to dry. And it's like, it's a really manual process. It's really labor intensive. It takes a ton of time. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of things that you have all the time. And so for a long time, we were just like, we can't do that, particularly for like, you know, a run of many tens of thousands of books that are going all over the country, the world in terms of bookstores. But then we sat around with it for a while and somebody in our team came up with a brilliant way to sort of make it work using a little bit of production magic that I'm not going to share because otherwise it's not magic anymore. Um, we used a little bit of magic and ingenuity and figured <laughs> out a way to do it. But it's only because we had been sitting around so long thinking about what else can we try? What other new things can we do that allowed for us to sort of try something like that? And all the other additions we've done from those other Thrawns to what we've been doing with High Republic to what we did with those those Thrawn books um, where they had the audio editions that came in like their own cases and things at, at the San Diego Comic-Cons a couple of years ago. All those ideas came from this concept of let's try new things let's let's try to add more stuff to books and what do readers tell us they want you know they want stuff signed they want they love art we want more character art okay well how do we get more character art well we could just make more character art but you know from a, a, a from a realistic standpoint you want to just make you want to get extra use out of that art right like you want to get more value out of that art and it's like hey we we made this art here's a picture of it on twitter enjoy well, what if we turned it into like an amazing book cover, like the rising storm mm -hmm. edition, you know, like mm -hmm. that's yeah. cool. Uh, you get the yeah. art, but then it also serves a purpose. So that's where all that came from. Well, and I mean, so that's outside of like the books themselves. That's, you know, you're always then sounds like you're digging or always, you know, open to new ideas and, and, and new things to try. Are there any concepts or, you know, genres or something like that within the story that you've seen somewhere else that you think would be you know that hasn't really been explored that much within star wars that you think would be really cool to bring into the universe i mean 
you know, Star Wars. Like, go as crazy as you as you can. <laughs> Star, yeah. Star Wars storytelling in book comic form has been around long enough, you know, uh-huh. going all the way back, you know, through all the Legends books and stuff that a lot of things have been done, you know, in a one-off. Not to say that, like, we, we've done that too much, we shouldn't do it again. I think the great thing, the malleable thing about Star Wars is I think any genre can work. I think heist mm-hmm. stories can work. And I love heist stories just, like, in general, outside of Star Wars, you tell me there's a heist movie, I'm there. I don't care how good it is. I don't care what budget. I don't care who's in it. I don't care what TV channel it's on. Like, I want to watch heist stories. So I love heist stories. I would love to see more heist stories. Um, you know, uh, there's not a, been a lot of romance books in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I know that people have joked about it a lot. I know there's a couple High Republic, like, in-universe jokes about there being, like, sort of romance stories within Star Wars. And I yeah. think that somebody can figure out a way. You know, again, you got to get the right author who's really excited about that has a sort of a talent and a, and a knowledge and a, and, a, and a want for that I totally think that somebody could find an amazing romance story to do in Star Wars and I think that that's I totally think people could and I, and I think that's what it comes down to is I think that as long as you're being really intentional about finding folks who have that core passion and core interest mm-hmm. and core experience that you can port those those subgenres and other things into Star Wars and I think a lot of them work. And I think it's it's just about, like, you're not just, like, forcing it. Just be like, oh, I want to do a romance book. Okay, let's go. Like, no, you've got to find that right mixture of all those other factors before you can make it work. You can't just do it because you want to. Just because it sounds cool is, like, not a reason to do it, right? It's it's can, can the other pieces fall into place? And like you said, it's about setting the author up to to succeed exactly. I, don't, I don't think anyone's gonna pitch joe schreiber a romance novel any anytime soon probably not but if you know if you need another like star wars horror book or something like that yes. yeah someone like joe schreiber is who you go to talk to about that you know yes absolutely um, and there's there's many other things joker right joe's an amazing writer um uh, but yeah it, so it, it sort of sits like that um uh but there and it's sort of always um I've always got this, we've always got these kinds of lists of like kind of dream themes or whatever that we just kind of keep in the back of our, you know, in the back pocket just to wait and see if like the the planets are ever going to align in terms of like, oh my God, this sort of kind of story idea we have or this thematic idea we have just matches perfectly with this particular subgenre. So this, let's take a shot here. This is our chance to maybe try this out. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I guess, you know, we're, we're about to hit the hour right now. So, you know, we've been very gracious with your time here. Um, but I did want to bring up or ask you, you know, because of, you know, how we got linked up and how we started interacting, right, was because of the Discord. But um, so just out of curiosity, like, how did you end up, like, finding the Utini Discord? And I mean, and how, yeah, how did you find it and, and, and stuff, I guess? <laughs> um, I found it be via... I found it via Twitter because, like I said, up okay. in, up until the beginning of August, beginning of this current month, I was also running Delray Star Wars social media across all the accounts and manning all the accounts. So if you asked a yeah. question in the last seven years to Delray Star Wars and got a response, it was 95% chance it was me who responded to it, mm-hmm. um, which is very funny when I get things about, like, can you tell the unpaid intern who runs this account to do X? And I'd be like, A, <laughs> I was an intern, not anymore. <laughs> B, actually, I'm a book editor. Um, uh, but uh, Such a thankless task as well. I mean, and it, it certainly has those moments, um, but it's also a very thankful task because it gives you a insight into a community in as close to a direct way as you can outside of literally standing across from someone at a convention and saying, Hey, tell me, 
tell me your experience. I want to hear, yeah. you know, tell me your individual experience. It's as close as you can get. Um, and especially doing that, you know, across, you know, the entire group of followers and stuff. But it, in addition to all that stuff on social, I've sort of made an effort to want to dive into the communities that sort of exist around social media. So forums and communities like Discord groups and stuff, which obviously, you know, a lot of them start on social media or they have a, a line to social media because things that get announced there get imported into these more offline communities or these more um, uh, these smaller, more intricate communities. And just wanting to see, like, what are people talking How are people talking about Star Wars? How are people talking about Star Wars books? What are they enjoying? What are they not enjoying? Um, and I think it was just from one of the conversations or just from tracking everything crazily for seven years i saw the link to the utd <laughs> discord and there's a bunch of other discords that i've joined here and there and and logged into to check out and so that was just sort of where that one uh uh that one first got linked to and then i had been for a while you know i'd been listening to utini pods and watching live streams and stuff because I, I tried to stay as up to date as i can across like as many star wars podcasts and, and vlogcasts and other things um across there's the a community. lot out there there is um <laughs> When I was when I was commuting in the before times, I used to spend most of my commutes just like listening to weeks worth of Star Wars podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like I would just you know spend all of my commuting time like catching up on the variety of different podcasts like from week to week. Um, so that's sort of how that started um, is finding that, and it was like in much the same way as when I was running social media. I think it was always important to me because when I started as an intern. And mm -hmm. when they were like, hey, as the intern, like, why don't you help us out on the Facebook group? I don't even think they had a Twitter account at the time. Um, help us out on the Facebook group. You can answer a question every once in a while. I just want to, like, throw a post up there to, like, keep the community excited. And it was sort of just thinking of, like, if I was on the other side of the screen, if I wasn't yeah. working here, if I wasn't an intern, if I was still a reader, like, what kinds of interaction would I want? What kind of questions would I want to ask? What kind of things would I want to know? And then just thinking, like, all right, just do that. Just pretend I'm on the other side of the screen and provide the information that I would want if I was on the other side of the screen. Because I actually went to a couple of New York Comic Cons before I got into publishing, when I was still an accountant, and I actually mm. went to the Del Rey booth, and I met some of the folks. Mm. None of them remember me, um, because you know the interactions are a few seconds long, and you, you, know, you meet a million people. And it, it, it can't, I do remember lots of people I meet at conventions, but it's also, someone will say, oh, I met you last year, and I will say, oh, it's great, it's great to see you again, and <laughs> I mean that sincerely. I'm, I'm thankful that they've come back, but like I actually can't recall them just because you know I'm seeing hundreds of people a day. But I met a bunch of the diary folks, and I like went to some author signings, and I got a free book from the table. And so I remember the experiences of being on the other side, on what I wanted and what meant a lot to me, and what I was excited about. Particularly as someone at that time who was kind of new to fandom, because again I just spent all my time as kid in the corner reading his Star Wars books by himself, <laughs> personally content to just enjoy it as his own thing. And so in joining up with communities like the Discord for Utini and other forums and, and being on social media, that's just the approach that I've had. So that's sort of why why I do it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I think we're going to have one more question and then we'll wrap up. But sure. uh, this should be a little – I mean, besides Jackson being, you know, such a pivotal character uh, <laughs> in the Star Wars universe and people that <laughs> – uh, listen to this podcast will know why I'm asking, bringing this up, but are there any other sort of uh, lesser known characters that uh, that you personally, you know, like we're talking about like C, D, I don't know, J list characters 
within the universe that you sort of like personally are like, you know, this guy's awesome or like, man. Um, I wish I had an immediate and good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you know what? It's a tough one. There, there is, I mean, you can say Pliff. There is a character. Uh Trevor, maybe, you know, the name, the name escapes me. There is from, from legends, someone who was the cloud the accountant on cloud city and i think they're like the only accountant that i can think of in star wars and since you know i can remember reading about them when i was an accountant i was like ah this person (laughs) there's an accountant they were the accountant on cloud city and i believe they escaped cloud city and they basically have never appeared in any other story. I, I can't even remember exactly like where I, they're I can from. think of two other accountants, uh, but I can't think of an accountant on Cloud City. We had one that worked for Jabba. There's definitely a story about his accountant. Then you've got uh, Balance Sheet, which is the big cyborg spider type thing from a Bounty Hunter War trilogy. Yeah. But I can't um, think of a Cloud City ac- accountant. Uh, so that character, again, who's so obscure, <laughs> their name escapes me. Uh, and I was just like, oh, this person, I want to know everything about them. Because yeah. uh, Samara Kebik, I just Googled it. Uh, Samara Kebik. Samara Kebik was a senior accountant on Cloud City. And <laughs> I just. That rings zero bells with yeah, me. Yeah. And I was just like, um, uh, you know, again, I was just kind of. Um, taken with the idea that uh um taken with the idea of you know there being an accountant in star wars um and uh the idea of, like what exactly are they doing and what happened to them after cloud city and all that chaos um, yeah. and they've never appeared in a story or anything of any any consequence and i don't like i don't have any idea <laughs> for a story for them but <laughs> Just next episode, you hear it, heard it here first. A deep dive into the life and times of Samara Tebik. Is that right? <laughs> Tebik. K E B. Tebik. Yeah. I think, there we go, Jose. That's the next I episode. I think they're one of those characters <laughs> yeah. that, like, you know, in one of those wide shots of just a bunch of random people running in Empire Strikes Back. Ne- next to Wilro Hood. Somebody, like, for, <laughs> I think, some defunct, like, card game or something, just, like, grabbed yeah. that person's photo and they just threw a name on a it name. and gave them like a one sentence background for some defunct star wars card game or something so i think that is the absolute balance of that character's identity um so that's the one i'm gonna pick because nobody yeah. else is ever gonna pick that that's great and i think that you know now we're just gonna be looking forward to i accountant a star wars story <laughs> uh, <laughs> And that will be the introduction to Star Wars uh, books for a whole new generation of people and maybe also the world of accounting. Um, But (laughs) before we wrap up, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. This show is possible thanks to all the people supporting us, either through our Patreon subscriptions or getting merch through our website. So if you'd like to help us out as well, you can uh, go to utini.com slash merch. We have t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, pint glasses, all inspired by Star Wars. And we also can go to, or you can also go to patreon.com slash utini, where you can become a member. And uh, you not only get access to all of these shows in advance, but you also get a bunch of other exclusive content from Utini. Um, in the meantime, also do us a favor and subscribe to and rate our show on all your podcast apps. And let your friends know about us too. And uh, also, if you haven't for some reason yet joined our Discord, Go to utina.com slash discord and click the join now button and you can talk to Tom and me <laughs> and Trev 
and ask more questions about publishing if you want. I mean, Tom, you don't have to answer that, but um, <laughs> listen. Anyways, you can. I mean, what I always tell people is, you can ask any question that that you want. The worst thing that could happen is I just say sorry, I can't answer that. Yeah, uh, and you've always been really good about that. So, um, and you know, with that said, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to, you know, social media handles? Any appearances uh, you have coming up? Uh... Your work email address. <laughs> yeah, the work, the work email address for sure. Um, you know, if you're not on the Udini Discord, first of all, you should be. Uh, but uh, if you aren't, if you're on Twitter uh, and you ever want to ask a question or anything, I'm Darth Internus, I-N-T-E-R-N-O-U-S. Uh, even though I'm not an intern anymore, you're not allowed to change your Darth name, so I am forever the Darth intern. Um uh, so you can hit me up there and uh, follow the Delray Star Wars social media stuff so you can hear all the cool book stuff because there's tons of cool book stuff between Ronin in October, Thrawn Lesser Evil in November, mm-hmm. High Republic stuff, stuff you don't even know about yet, all sorts of amazing things. Um, keep up to date with all that. It's a good time. Very exciting. Trev, where, people can, where can people find you? So I'm at David Todd on Twitter and obviously, again, I'm just hanging around in the Discord. I totally stole Tom's uh, Discord handle and Twitter handle as my own on Discord because I'm Darth Obscurus. Um, but yeah, you'll find us there. Nice. And I am not a Darth on Tumblr on, uh, on Discord. I am Joxy on Row right now. So I'm still kind of yeah. like on the darker side of things within the universe. Stay uh, on brand. Yes. Uh, but you can find me there or on Twitter. I am Joxy and that's T H E J O X I I I. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Trev. Thank you, Tom, for joining us today. And thank you all uh, for listening and supporting us. And uh, with that said, I will say uh, radio out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.